It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. everybody once again time for another throwback league episode this is josh lewin this is the elite eight now it's getting good the 05 chicago white Sox are here in flushing queens the 86 new york mets waiting for them it is a three seed against a one and as we get set to meet the mets and remind you that you can always go to our website and check out the box scores anytime you want Brackets are up there, too. That's www.thethrowbackleague.com. And we're also on Twitter, at TheThrowbackLG. But to get us ready for Mets and White Sox, how about a little Bob Costas Hall of Famer for you, talking about the 05 Southsiders. Here's my primary impression about the 05 White Sox, who almost seem like they're a footnote in baseball history. The year before, the Red Sox, who had not won since 1918, ended an 86-year curse. This is epic in every way. The White Sox had waited two years longer. It was the year before, 1917, when they last won, and it was the year after, 2005, when they finally broke through, and it was like it was nothing. And in the same town, it doesn't remotely compare to the interest and the emotion that accompanied the Cubs eventually winning the World Series in 2016. The White Sox are second-class citizens in their own town. Thanks, Bob, and on this cool but pleasant evening here in Queens, let's start with these 05 Sox who swept the Houston Astros in a rather unlikely World Series that no one had predicted that year. But no, the White Sox never did stop believing. The favorites were the defending champion Red Sox and the always powerful Yankees and and the NL. I think everybody liked the Cardinals and the Braves, even the Dodgers. But Chicago emerged. In fact, check this out. Only two teams in history have ever led the regular season from wire to wire led their league in victories, and swept a World Series. First of those was the 27 Yankees behind Ruth and Garrick. The other, yeah, the 05 White Sox. And White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf has rarely stopped smiling about his baseball franchise ever since 05. Jerry Reinsdorf, remember, had presided over six NBA championships when Michael Jordan led his Bulls, but none of those title runs compared to what happened for Jerry in 05 on the baseball field. Freddie Garcia, relievers Cliff Politti, Neil Kotz, Bobby Jenks pitched the White Sox to a 1-0 win in game four to seal the deal. Jerry Reinsdorf called Bud Selig 
looking for confirmation that he hadn't just dreamed the whole thing up, a 99-win season and the World Series parade. We mentioned very few had seen those White Sox coming, but they were kind of hiding in plain sight. Nothing fluky about their title. You had Ken Williams, the GM, Ozzie Guillen, the manager, the scouts, the coaches. A very stable organization between opening day of 05 and the All-Star game of 06. The White Sox were 156 and 94. The Fizz did escape in the second half of that 06 season. The White Sox have kind of taken a tumble ever since, but give Ozzie Guillen and his players credit. They made the most of their moment when they were right in the middle of it. They finished the 05 postseason with a run differential of plus 33. That was the biggest in history until the Red Sox came along in 07 to be just a little bit better than that. 11-1 record in the postseason, matched the 99 Yankees as the second best ever. Only the Big Red Machine in 76. The Cincinnati Reds of that season were able to go a perfect 7-0 in the playoffs. Now, the White Sox had a, a solid core of position players. Paul Konerko, Jermaine Dye, Joe Creedy, A.J. Pruszynski. And they added a starting rotation capable of big things. Not a lot of big, sexy names, but again, they went 11-1 in the postseason against the Red Sox, the Angels, and the Astros. Jose Contreras, Mark Burley, Freddie Garcia, John Garland, their combined ERA in those 12 games was 2.8. In the ALCS, all four of those guys do a complete game. You're talking about 44 and a third of 45 possible innings in a five-game ALCS being thrown by your starting pitchers. Ozzie Guillen played a set lineup in the ALCS, put Sednik in left, Aguchi at second, so on down the line. Only substitution was Pablo Ozuna as a pinch runner in games one and two. So everybody just knew their role, that they only used 15 players total in a five-game series, including pitchers against the Angels. Paul Konerko, ALCS MVP. White Sox would sweep the Astros in that World Series, only outscoring Houston by six runs. The lowest differential ever in a series sweep. Scott Pudsednik, who had a homer in his 568 trips to the plate in the regular season. Well, he had a walk-off homer in Game 2. And the midseason acquisition, Jeff Blum, game-winning homer in the 14th inning of Game 3. That put Freddie Garcia in position to go for that sweep at Minute Maid Park. And it happened. So, uh, the White Sox, when it was all over, Ozzy riding through the streets of Chicago on top of a double-decker bus with a Venezuelan flag wrapped around his shoulders. Paul Konerko presented Jerry Reinsdorf with the ball that was in his glove when he took that throw from Juan Uribe and stepped on first for the final out. Touching moments there. And the White Sox have always had kind of a gruff countenance. Very gritty south side Chicago, right? But there was actually a lot of happy, honest emotion around those guys notwithstanding the snarky catcher, A.J. Brzezinski, and the, the foul-mouth manager, Mr. Guillen. So here's foul-mouth lineup for tonight here at Shea. And by the way, Ozzy's mouth would have fit right in on that chorus of non-choir boy Mets. But Sednik in left leads it off. Oguchi at second, Konerko at first. Aaron Rowan and Jermaine Dye follow in center and right. A.J. Pruszynski is the catcher, Joe Creedy at third. Juan Uribe at short, John Garland pitching. He's got a bat in this one, so Carl Everett is stuck on the bench at least to start. Now, on to 86 and Davey Johnson's New York Mets. And first, let's reset the culture of 86, what was happening, what was popular. The Oprah Winfrey Show launched its new hour-long format in 86. It crushed Donahue in the national ratings, and Oprah became a fixture of American pop culture. Pee Wee's Playhouse launched. Perfect Strangers launched. 
Alf, Matlock, L.A. Law, they all were spawned in 86. Geraldo Rivera hosted the mystery of Al Capone's vault. That did not go well for him. Fox started broadcasting in 86, setting out to compete with the big guys, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Its first show, they called The Late Show, hosted by Joan Rivers. And it was a year later, Fox began the early slate of uh, primetime programming, Married with Children, The Tracy Ullman Show, 21 Jump Street. Of course, the longest-lasting hit, The Simpsons, that would not arrive until December of 89. But in 86, at uh, the movie theaters, how about the, uh, the instant day off June 11, 1986, was Ferris Bueller's day off. I think he, he did a lot of good things. Madonna's album, True Blue, debuted in June of 86. It had Live to Tell and Papa Don't Preach, True Blue, Open Your Heart, La Isla Bonita. As for baseball, of course, the Mets were among the big stories in the majors that year, but there were others. Lou Pinella making his Yankees managerial debut. Roger Clemens striking out 20 Mariners as a Red Sox. You go to June, Barry Bonds did his first big league home run, did that at Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta off Craig McMurtry. Don Sutton that month got his 300th career win for the California Angels. In June as well, Bo Jackson said he's not going to deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had made him the number one pick in the NFL draft. He just signed to play with the Kansas City Royals instead. August, Pete Rose will get the last of his 4,256 big league hits. And then in October, what an amazing October. Game five of the ALCS on October 12th. Red Sox down three games to one. Don Baylor hits a two-run homer off Mike Witt to get it from five to two to five to four. And then you had a whole lot of weird stuff happen after that. Donnie Moore serves up the, uh, the Dave Henderson home run. Three days after that, Mets and Astros playing a game that was somehow even more exciting. And on October 25th, the game that everyone remembers Game six of the World Series with Mookie and Buckner and all of that. So Mookie, as it turns out, probably the most normal of all the Mets that year. Other than the, the soft-spoken South Carolina native, the Mets were basically a collection of rowdy youngsters along with some reckless veterans and a very hard-partying group. There, no doubt about it. Trash-talking, brawling, boozing, all of that. Read Jeff Perlman's The Bad Guys One if you ever want the... Uh, the inside dope completely. A season of brawling, boozing, bimbo chasing, and championship baseball was the subhead of that book title. Daryl Strawberry dumping a bottle of champagne on Mayor Ed Koch's head. Uh, the Scum Bunch, right, led by Jesse Orozco. The Mets famously trashed the U United DC 10 at Chartered for the uh, return trip from uh, one of those late season efforts that they needed coming home from St. Louis, coming home from the NLCS. Against protocol, wives and girlfriends were on board, and boy, it uh, it did not get classy. There were tens of thousands of dollars in damage on one of those flights. Cases of champagne consumed. A celebratory Mets cake was the ammunition in a very epic food fight. Daryl Strawberry broke several seats. He was convinced they could fold in a bed. That uh, turned out not to be true. But anyway, when the bill for all that was presented to Davey Johnson, he presented the bill to the team in a closed-door meeting, proceeded to rip it up, saying, you know what, we're going to win the World Series, so you'll probably put enough money in these guys' pockets to cover this. So blank these mother blankers. He ripped it up, the team went crazy, and that was the very summation of the 1986 New York Mets. So you had the, the on-field brawls, the Reds' Eric Davis stealing third, Ray Knight tried to shove him off the base, and Ray Knight started swinging. 
Also that same month against the Braves, Daryl Strawberry charged the mound after he was plunked by Dave Palmer of uh, Atlanta. So a lot of benches clearing stuff. On and on it went until finally they were able to stick the landing, winning game seven. Remember, it wasn't the ball through Buckner's legs that got anything other than punching their ticket to game seven. And they were down 3-0 early in that one. The Red Sox opened up, getting Ron Darling in trouble in the second inning. Dwight Evans, Rich, uh, Rich Gedman hitting back-to-back -back homers. Wade Boggs, an RBI single later. Ron Darling only went another inning and two-thirds. But then Sid Fernandez, who was an all-star in 86, came on to, to really kind of settle things down. Keith Hernandez, big two-RBI single. Lee Mazzilli, Mookie Wilson scoring on that. Gary Carter had a big RBI game. It was 3-3 after six. Ray Knight, the big home run to make it 4-3 in New York. Rafael Santana, of all people, a big hit to single in another run. Keith Hernandez, a sack fly. 6-3 New York. It was trimmed to 6-5. They get some insurance from a strawberry home run. Jesse Orozco with a base hit to center field, scoring Ray Knight. Incredible. And Orozco, his last ever big league hit, as it would turn out, he finished off the series, fired his glove high in the air when he got the strikeout of Marty Barrett. And if you're a Mets fan, you'll never forget it. Let's go ahead and meet the Mets, as it were. The starting lineup here for manager Davey Johnson. Lenny Dykstra leads off in center. Backman's at second, Hernandez at first, Carter the catcher, Strawberries in right. Mookie Wilson in left, Ray Knight at third, Rafael Santana the shortstop, Sid Fernandez pitching, batting number nine. And that short arm delivery, the ability to hide the ball, it makes him one of the most difficult pitchers to hit in baseball history, even though he really doesn't throw all that hard. Durability sometimes an issue for him. He's got weight issues, but uh, he did throw 200 innings in the 86 regular season. 16-6, and 3-5-2 ERA. And we mentioned that performance in Game 7 of the World Series. Had to come in for Ron Darling. He retired seven in a row, including four strikeouts. Scott Podsednik is in there waiting to face him. The left-hand batter, the native Texan. No home runs in the regular season, but those two big ones in the postseason. And Podsednik taking it. Ball one, a fastball from El Cid. We are underway. Charles Sidney Fernandez, a Honolulu native, wearing number 50 in honor of his native 50th state. Next pitcher fastball blazed up high, 2-0. Well, we mentioned Fernandez has that unorthodox pitching motion, that hesitation at the end, followed by a sudden slingshot, almost sidearm delivery. Deceptive motion, got a very effective curveball, that seemingly rising fastball. When he gets those strikeouts, Mets fans in the upper deck put up those taped signs marked with the letter S for Sid. Next pitch, a curve. That's a strike two and one. Keith Hernandez in a bit at first. Ray Knight really in at third, just in case of a bunt. Now Sid Fernandez, the fourth lowest ratio of hits allowed per innings pitched in big league history. Nolan Ryan, Clayton Kershaw, Sandy Koufax ahead of him. Here's a 2-1. It is bunted up near third. Ray Knight is on it like a panther. He throws to first. He's got it. Nice job by Keith Hernandez to scamper back to the bag. One down, and here's the Japanese import, Tadahito Oguchi. 278 batter, 15 homers, 15 steals. No score just underway between the 86 Mets and the 05 White Sox. Playing at Shea with the home run apple out there in center. First installed in 1980 as a symbol of the Mets' advertising slogan, the magic is back. 
wasn't really in 1980, but it definitely is here in 86. Pitch is swung on a miss by Aguchi, nothing in one. White Sox in their traveling gray pants and the black tops. Mets in their home white with the blue pinstripes. Blue and orange is their color combo, always has been. The blue of the Dodgers, the orange of the Giants, the two teams that left the New York National League. And that Mets logo, the church spire. That's from Brooklyn, the borough of churches. Williamsburg Savings Bank Building, Woolworth Building, all of that. It's all in that logo if you look hard enough. Next pitch, call the strike at the knees. It's nothing in two. Yeah, got that general clump of Midtown Manhattan in the logo, the Empire State Building, UN Building, and the bridge representing the bringing together of all five boroughs. Nobody on, one out. The 0-2 to Aguchi. Swing and a missed strike three. The hook that time from El Cid. So two down, and here's the dangerous Paul Konerko, 283 batter, 40 home runs and 100 runs batted in. In October of 05, I think you can say is high tide for Konerko, 15 postseason runs batted in. Now the World Series Grand Slam is part of that, and the birth of his son Nicholas that very same week. Konerko taking outside 1-0. We mentioned earlier, Konerko ended up with a final out of that 05 World Series, but there would be no Doug Minkiewicz moment. No confusion about who had rightful ownership of the historic ball. Konerko seeking out Jerry Reinsdorf, handed the ball to him. It's a good investment. Konerko making sure the owner got the ball. The owner making sure Konerko got re-signed. Pitch is fouled up the third baseline, right by coach Joey Cora. Tim Raines, the White Sox first base coach, by the way, Now, sometimes playoff heroes falter after they have a great postseason. Kirk Gibson at 213 the year after his heroics of 88. But Paul Konerko next year, 313 batting average with 113 runs batted in. Taking in the dirt, it's 2-1. and one. Konerko's a righty, but he modeled his swing after a lefty, Will Clark, growing up to the point where Konerko put a mirror next to his TV. So Clark's swing would appear to be right-handed like his own. Providence native, though he grew up in the desert southwest. Next pitch is cranked in the air deep to center field. Dykstra back, Mookie Wilson back, Dykstra at the wall makes the catch. And the inning is over. Valcid Fernandez does give up fly balls sometimes. That one from Konerko almost getting out. White Sox do not score. The 2005 White Sox turned away. Let's keep it here for the moment in 2005. Want the best in wireless? Look no further than your neighborhood Radio Shack. From the best name brand phones to the best wireless carriers, we've got it all. And now, during our best of the best wireless sale, get the best for even less. Like this new Verizon Wireless VX5200 camera phone by LG, just $29.99 with new two-year agreement. You'll also enjoy the best customer service. That's why our sales associates are number one in wireless customer satisfaction. And why we sell more wireless than any other consumer electronics retailer at Radio Shack. Well, as for something you can get into right now here in 2020, we suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the best, most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. We were just talking about Brooklyn, and there's a location in Brooklyn now, as a matter of fact. 
Since 1963, the year after the Mets came into existence, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world. The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, an experience like no other. John Garland is the man on the mound for the 05 White Sox, tall, slender Californian, like Sid Fernandez, an ERA of three and a half this year. Spent the front part of his career at Garland with the two Chicago teams. Cubs drafted him originally, traded him here to the White Sox, where he became good enough to win 18 games this year. And he learned from Mark Burley the value of working quickly. Pitching coach John Cooper calls it being the activities director. We'll go into that dugout, get our batting helmets on when I say it's time, and I'd like to, to get you guys back into that dugout just as soon as I can. That's the goal. So, Lenny Dykstra, who's trying to well, kind of upend the whole activities director thing, he is a disruptor, that's for sure. 23-year-old left-hand batter. 295 hitter with more walks and strikeouts. He takes strike one from Garland, and Dykstra doesn't like it. Hops out of the box. Now, one of the ubiquitous songs on the Shea Stadium PA here in 86, Wild Boys. They don't get much wilder than this blonde-haired, tobacco-chewing Californian Lenny Dykstra. 13th round pick. Amazing minor league numbers. Swings here, fouls it up by third base coach Bud Harrelson. It's one and one. Boy, did Dykstra shine in the 86 postseason. He won game three of the NLCS against the Astros with a homer off Dave Smith. Had a leadoff triple in the ninth inning of game six. That off Bob Nepper. And in the World Series, well, he led off game three with that home run down the line at Fenway off oil can Boyd. Next delivery is hit on the ground towards second base. Aguchi gliding to his right. He sets, he throws, he got him. One down, Wally Beckman coming up, the switch hitter. Batted 320 this year. That's because he really never had to face the kind of pitching he can't hit. So good with that platoon this year. Beckman splitting time with the import from the Twins, Tim Tuffle. One guy can hit righties, one guy can hit lefties. Easy. Easy decision for Davey Johnson. Pitch from Garland in there for a strike. It's nothing and one. Defensively, Pudsednik in left, Rowand in center, Die in right. And they're all fairly shallow here. Konerko at first, Aguchi at second, Uribe at short, Joe Creedy at third. And A.J. Przinski, the catcher. Boy, between Przinski and Dykstra. Got a couple of instigators to talk about in this game. Next delivery is outside. It's one and one. No score here in the last of the first. Now John Garland with a new ball. Taking his time just for a moment here. Not something he usually does. We mentioned normally a quick worker. But trying to get used to this mound here at Shea. He deals and it is high. It's two and two. You know, the mound that he liked the best, he says, his mom, Vicky, constructed a pitcher's mound in the family backyard back when he was a kid. Vicky would put on shin guards and go out there and be John Garland's catcher. That's a mom who worked long hours at her dad's medical prosthesis company to come, come home and catch John Garland. Next delivery, swung on, popped in a shallow left. And here comes Pitsednik, he'll put it away, two down. 
That'll bring up Keith Hernandez now. What a terrific 86 for Keith. Really his last true great season. 310 batting average, led the league in cigarette breaks. <laughs> Never really had the big power that you wanted from first base, right? I mean, 13 home runs this year. But he was second in the league in on-base percentage, seventh in OPS because of all those doubles. And, of course, you throw in the outstanding defense at first. That is a nice combination. The pitch swung on, belted in a right base hit. And Jermaine Dye will play it on the third hop, get it back in. So Keith Hernandez, line drive single, brings up Gary Carter. I think it's fair to say 86 will end up being Carter's last really good season. The vocal leader of the club. Bit of a goody two-shoes by comparison. A little bit of a prude talking about these other Mets on the team. 105 runs batted in, third in the NL MVP voting. Does a great job handling this talented pitching staff, too. Pitch on the way. That's popped in the air towards second base. And under it, Iguchi, he will make the catch. Side retired. And out goes the gum from the mouth of John Garland. Every time an inning ends, you will plop that gum down somewhere near the pitcher's mound anyway. Mets do not score. We are at the end of one. 05 White Sox, nothing. 86 Mets, nothing. Let's keep it here in 86. Well, back at Shea Stadium, Keith Hernandez, the only guy that reached base for the Mets in the first inning, had a chance to catch up with Keith talking about the others, the scum bunch, as they were affectionately called sometimes. The 86 Mets had big personalities. But off the bench, guys could really get it done. Kevin Mitchell, we mentioned Tim Tuffle earlier, Howard Johnson, Danny Heap, Ed Hearn, Lee Mazzilli. How about the others is what we asked Keith Hernandez. Well, I think that... Uh... We won 108 games, and I think there's only 14, 14 teams in the history of baseball that won 108 games or more. So that kind of puts us in a in a rarefied air. Uh, and um, it take you know it's the old cliche statement, but it's so true is that it takes 25 to win. Uh, you just can't run eight people out there every day. It, you have to have a bench, and we had an extraordinary bench. Um, you had in Kevin Mitchell a future MVP of the National League when he got one of to the Giants. You had Howard Johnson, Hojo, who was sitting on the bench and would wind up being a 30-30 guy uh, and also hit over 30 home runs and go on to have a terrific career with the Mets after I left. Uh, you also had Danny Heath, who we got from Houston, that was uh, – I think one of our more underrated players. He didn't run well. Didn't he wasn't a great glove. He didn't cover a lot of ground. Um, but he was our big guy off the bench, left-handed, um, in, in in tight situations, clutch situations. Hojo 
was a switch hitter at that point. He was not a good right-hand hitter. He became a better right-hand hitter later. But he was our power left-handed bat. Danny Heath was our guy that we needed the base hit late in the game to win it. Uh, he was the guy, that the left-hander, that got the, got the call. So uh, also later in that year, Dave Magadan got called up and gave us another left-handed bat. He went on to have a very, very good career. So we had, I, I think, the best bench I, I, I bet I've ever played with in my 17 years that David could call on. Many thanks to Keith Hernandez, who was such a big part of the Mets' success in the mid-'80s. Let's go ahead to further action here. We mentioned no score after one. It would stay that way until the bottom of the fourth inning. Daryl Strawberry leads off. He smacks a solo home run to right center. Up comes the apple. one nothing New York. Well, by the way, Sid Fernandez is working on a one-hitter. Mets would go down in order after that. And this game actually moving along very quickly. Jermaine Dye, a leadoff walk in the fifth, but they stranded him. White Sox couldn't really get anything done. In fact, into the bottom of the sixth inning, still a one-hit shutout for Sid Fernandez. We'll see if the Mets can add to the lead. Bottom of the sixth, Keith Hernandez leading off. The San Francisco native who scored the tying run in the ninth inning of that game six of the NLCS in 86. Later in that extra inning game, made a big defensive play going for a forced play at second. 16 inning game. Pitch is high. It's 1-0. Now, Keith Hernandez wasn't a regular after turning 33, but by then he had more hits than six members of the 3,000 hit club had collected by that age. So much good work done by the man called Mex. His career eventually ending as a Cleveland Indian. Garland in with the pitch, and a slice towards right center, dropping base hit. Second hit of the game for Keith Hernandez. As Jermaine Dye will shuttle it in. Here's Gary Carter to the plate. Hernandez was brought in a couple years before Carter. Hernandez from St. Louis, Carter from Montreal. Gary Carter really thought of as the missing piece. Howard Johnson maybe as well, brought in from Detroit. Became the first Met to hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 in a season, incredibly. 85 was a freaky Met season. They had a 26-7 loss to Philly. They had a 16-13 game in 19 innings in Atlanta. They had a dozen games that ended one to nothing of all that great pitching. And Carter, the guy who manages that great pitching, taking here, and it's a strike, nothing in one. That 85 season began with the April Fool's joke in Sports Illustrated, written by George Plimpton. The curious case of Sid Finch, the pretend yogi kind of pitcher, not like Yogi Berra, I mean yogi as in very zen, who was said to throw 168 miles an hour. How do we all believe that? Next pitch to Carter, fouled at the plate. It's nothing in two. 324 career home runs for Kidd. 1,225 runs batted in. Expos, Mets, Giants, Dodgers, and then back with the Expos at the end. Four times he finished among the top six in MVP balloting. Three gold gloves, 11-time All-Star. Down on the count, 0-2, with the outfield swung a bit towards left. Here's the pitch, and is belted in the left center. That's a base hit. Keith Hernandez stops at second. Wow. On 0-2, Gary Carter coming through. And a big chance now for the straw. Here is Daryl Strawberry wearing 18 on his back. 
He had been the first pick in the nation in 1980 at a Crenshaw High in L.A. 1983 Rookie of the Year. 30-30 season in 87. Missed another by one steal in 88. Dangerous, dangerous player with that great bat speed. Here's the pitch. Hit on the ground towards second. Noguchi with a toss to short for one. The return to first is not in time. Strawberry beats out a fielder's choice. Everybody thinks power first with Daryl Strawberry. He can really blaze down the line, too. A 4-6 fielder's choice makes it first and third for Mookie Wilson now. That kind of an interesting dichotomy here with Mookie in this game for the 86 Mets and Carl Everett riding the bench for the 05 White Sox. Mookie's quote about dinosaurs very different than Carl's quote about dinosaurs. Mookie once said, when I'm in a slump, I comfort myself by saying, if I believe in dinosaurs, then somewhere I know they must be believing in me. Then I can believe in me, and then I can bust out of my slump. <laughs> Mookie swings, he fouls it upstairs towards Bob Murphy in that Mets broadcast booth. Well, Carl Everett had a very different take on dinosaurs. He said, God created the sun, the stars, the heavens, and the earth, and then made Adam and Eve. The Bible never says anything about dinosaurs. You can't say there were dinosaurs when you never saw them. Somebody actually saw Adam and Eve eating apples, said Carl Everett. No one ever saw a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Next pitch is low. It's one and one. To Mookie Wilson. Mookie, because as a child in South Carolina, he had a tough time saying the word milk. And that somehow went to Mookie. And of course, part of the most famous A.B. in Mets history. Jackknifing out of the way of the Bob Stanley wild pitch. Then rolling the ball through Bill Buckner's legs. And earlier in that game, by the way, saved a run, throwing out Jim Rice at the plate. Something nobody ever talks about. Next pitch is fouled right at the plate, one and two. To a very consistent hitter. 275-ish every year. His batting average actually was exactly the same three years in a row. And remember in 86, George Foster began the year as a regular left fielder. But his defense certainly was not polished. He was released in August. Mookie can play left. Mookie can play center. Though he can't say milk. Daryl Strawberry can talk about milk. We heard that commercial. But uh, anyway, the pitch. Swung on a missed strike three. Oh boy, Mookie Wilson with a chance to improve on this 1-0 lead. But instead it'll be left to Ray Knight. Charles Ray Knight wearing number 22 on his back. And he is clutch. 357 with runners in scoring position. First and second for him here. He had enough big hits in the World Series to be named World Series MVP when it was all said and done. Garland the right-hander with a sign from A.J. Pruszynski. Now the kick and the pitch. That is low. Ball one. You know, Ray Knight was going to be the GOAT of Game 6, not Buckner. Follow me here. It was Ray Knight's throwing error in the 7th that had given Boston that 3-2 lead. Of course, instead, Ray Knight ends up MVP of the whole World Series. Baseball, as Bob Murphy says, is a game of redeeming features. Next delivery, swung on, fouled back to the net, 1-1. One one. Mets ahead, 1-0 here in the 6th inning. Now, Game 7 of the World Series... 
Rain out the day before. Bruce Hurst moved up to pitch on three days rest against Darling, who faltered. We mentioned Fernandez, brilliant and long relief. Knight was the guy that had the decisive home run against Calvin Schiraldi. First home run by a home team the entire World Series. Yeah, that, that's a true fact. Runners away from first and second. Now the pitch that is rolled up the middle base hit. Here comes Keith Hernandez coming around third. Throw on its way in. Przinsky bracing. There's a collision. He's safe. Keith Hernandez is safe. And A.J. Przinsky with a shove of Keith Hernandez. Oh, and here come the benches. The benches are going to clear. The run has scored. Here come the bullpens in now. And there are some big guys coming. Here comes Bobby Jenks. Roger McDowell is out there. Here comes Randy Myers. He's crazy. A lot of pushing and shoving near home plate as the bullpen is on its way. A.J. Przinsky has to be led up the third base line. No punches being thrown, but here's our, our first throwback league, Donnie Brook. Bobby Ojeda wants to take somebody's head off out there. Chris Widger, the backup catcher, looks really upset. Joe Creedy is tangled up now with somebody. Looks like big Ed Hearn. Now, Hernandez, no worse for the wear. Everybody is going to come out of this without injury. But A.J. Przinsky with a little shove after the fact of Keith Hernandez. And the guy who's been described as the Bill Lambeer of baseball. Trash talking, trying to distract you and all that. The memorable A.J. Przinsky quote with the White Sox. He once said, I guess I do things other teams don't like, but I'm not setting out to bother people. I'm just trying to win the game. Which is actually something you'd expect his manager to say, right? That's straight out of the Ozzie Guillen playbook. All right, everybody now just milling around. Country Joe West, the home plate umpire, he's shepherding people away back towards their dugouts. The Przinstigator, A.J. Przinsky, the classic example of love him if he's on your team, hate him if he's not. But again, that's pretty much all of these 86 Mets, too, except maybe Mookie and... Well, Gary Carter. Przinsky with that mini mullet and his stubborn insistence on the Sox using Don't Stop Believing as a theme song here. Yeah, I mean, basically let the frat, the frat boy Cub fans listen to Nickelback and have the, the really nice hair. Przinsky and White Sox fans say they're fine just to be who they are. Captain Chaos, A.J. Przinsky. Well, he'll stay in the game. Looks like there are no ejections here. Order is restored. But man, a dust up at home plate in what is now a 2-0 game to the advantage of the 86 Mets. Leave it to the, the 86 Mets to find a way to push and shove at some point. But you know, one more thing about Przinsky, and we'll talk him up just a little bit, because we, we mentioned the White Sox pitching staff has improved so dramatically here in 05. A.J. Przinsky is the guy that demanded his pitchers throw inside this year. If there was ever any fear of a hitter charging the mound because they didn't like it, A.J. Przinsky said, I will take care of it. And he may have actually instigated there, although Keith came in pretty hard coming around third. Very interesting. And now, with all that, and the runner having moved up, by the way, it's second and third two out on that single to center. Let's see if Rafael Santana can get anything done. He's not much of a hitter at all. He struggles to get to 200. But a very smooth fielder. You know, Kevin Mitchell actually started 20 games at shortstop for the 86 Mets. Not a good defender at all, but Davey wanted the bat in there. 
2-0 New York. And the pitch to Santana. Clipped in the air to shallow right. Here comes Jermaine Dye. He's got it. And this eventful inning is over. One run in to make it 2-0. Doesn't look like anything else will happen regarding the, uh, the dust-up. We'll put that behind us. And again, move ahead to further action. With Sid Fernandez in total, I mean total control. You know, these 05 White Sox got to this game because Freddy Garcia pitched a two-hitter. How about Sid Fernandez at the end of this one going eight innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, and even 100 pitches. John Garland didn't pitch badly. Seven innings of eight-hit ball, two runs, two walks, four strikeouts. But the home run to Strawberry, that's what uh, got the Mets to lead. You just heard that second run that was added. 2-0 into the bottom of the ninth, or excuse me, into the top of the ninth, and a chance to lock it down for Roger McDowell. He did give up one base hit, but that was it. Nothing else the White Sox could do in this one. They end up getting three hit total. Two runs, eight hits, one error for the Mets. 0-3-0 for Chicago. The White Sox eliminated. And checking the box score, Lenny Dykstra with uh, a fielder's choice and a hit only on base twice, but he stole three bases in this game. Yeah, he stole second and third in one inning. So Dykstra making things happen. Of course, Brzezinski, we just heard, making things happen. But the guy that really made it happen, the man of the match, the hefty lefty Sid Fernandez, he gets credit for the win, and the Mets are able to move on. They will get the winner of the 97 Marlins and the 83 Orioles. We'll have to wait for that one because next week, We've got the 95 Indians with Dennis Martinez, El Presidente, on the mound. That's on the road at the 84 Tigers, who will counter with Dan Petrie. Only six teams remain now. We've got teams from 83, 84, and 86, but also from 95 and 97. And the Lone Wolf, the one team still alive from either the 70s or the aughts, that would be the 04 Red Sox, the most recent team on our roster here is still alive. So here we go, getting towards the final four. We already know two teams in it, still got to get two more. And again, if you want to check the brackets, we invite you to go to thethrowbackleague.com. They're all there. Thanks so much for listening, as always. Leave us a nice review. Tell your friends as we come down the home stretch here. It's getting exciting. This one's final from Shea Stadium, the 86 Mets 2, the 05 White Sox nothing. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks again. Bye-bye.